0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and if I die, I give you all permission to listen to my podcast forever. Joining me today is Divendra Hardwar. Society of Snow? I thought this movie was
1: about making movies in Hollywood in the 80s! Snow!
0: (laughs) And Jeff Kanata. I'm Jeff (laughs) Kanata, and I'm delicious. All right. Well, those so are, you? of course, those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast we're uh-huh. going to be reviewing J. A. Bayona's latest movie, *Society of the Snow*, which is available for streaming right now on Netflix. Mm. You can Jeff find has of, the uh, the manager special sticker stuck on him right now.
1: That's how, that's how delicious <laughs> right. Jeff is. Yeah,
0: best if used by. You know. <laughs> You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com and find us across many platforms at thefilmcastpod. We're on TikTok at thefilmcast. Today on the podcast, we are going to be discussing uh, just a couple of quick uh, uh, news items before we dive into what we've been watching. It is a heavy Sundance slanted uh, what we've been watching this week. We all got into the online portion of the Sundance Film Festival. And so there's going to be a lot of Sundance movies. And I would say most of the movies we'll be discussing uh, have been acquired. And so we'll yes. be available for yeah. viewing at some point, probably in, in the next fa- in year In fact, or two. one
1: movie that was at Sundance is here right now that you could watch. The Greatest Night in Pop. It's on Netflix today. Mm,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So, Just yeah. Wild. Uh, the, a lot of movies that uh, were in uh, were debuted at Sundance like got distribution and and that's always exciting to see. People so, at Sundance yeah. who
2: are, like packed in to see that movie.
0: Yeah. Are, like, <laughs> I could have
2: just watched it on Netflix two days later. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: perhaps perhaps not the place for a big budget movie already produced by Netflix. So we know where it's going. What is it doing
0: at Sundance? Mm. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. A lot of good a lot of good questions, Divindra. A lot of good questions about what the purpose of the festival is, which many people are, in fact, asking in general. A lot of people think that Sundance has become too commercial. I don't know. I'm just going to say I saw a lot of, I'll say, aggressively uncommercial movies at Sundance this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm not too worried about it. Uh, but, yeah, we, we have a lot of Sundance stuff to discuss and uh, a lot of interesting stuff. So I hope you'll enjoy that conversation. But first, a couple quick things to mention. Jeff Kanata, we got a request in the Slack for you to talk about your experience watching football this weekend. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, if you want to talk about what I've been watching, I spent all of Sunday uh, watching the AFC Championship game and then the NFC Championship game. It was NFL Championship Sunday, Uh, and I am uh, a a big uh, sports fan, uh, particularly football and particularly the San Francisco 49ers who were playing in the aforementioned NFC Championship game against the Detroit Lions and we um, we w- were cast in the role of uh, the I would say um, the the enemy the the heel in this uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> to get to the wrestling analogy a little early uh, we were the heel in that um, Detroit is the only football franchise that has been around since the merger in the 50s I want to say Um that has never been to a super bowl never been uh and they were one game away uh this the winners of these two championship games uh go to the super bowl this is how we decide who enters the super bowl and uh the 49ers not to jump to the most uh personal part for me but the 49ers were down 17 points at halftime it was 27-3 uh at halftime and uh I was scared. (laughs) I was uh, quite scared and um, uh, not doing well in my house. Uh, My wife told me later uh, she did not enjoy that uh, experience. (laughs) Um, My in-laws happened to be in town as well. And I think everyone was real worried about my uh, sanity and uh level of volume of my voice uh first quarter the niners could not uh, stop the run uh, despite having a vaunted defense that has been uh, very very good against the run over a number of years including this one and there was some shouting there was um there was some aggressive uh language used uh and no one enjoyed it no one enjoyed it <laughs> But uh, I will tell you, boys, uh, as a spoiler to what happened, it the Niners came back in the second half and won the game in what equaled the greatest comeback in NFC Championship history, equaled with themselves from several years ago. Uh, and it was uh, a great night, and all was saved. The uh, tenor of my household was plucked from the depths of despair into the heights of joyous dancing and celebration.
0: (laughs) Wow, sounds like
2: uh, a real roller coaster. It was a real roller coaster. It was a great night for all. And that, my friends, is the joy of sport. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. is when you, when your heart and you're emotionally invested in the outcome. I had a, I think I've mentioned this before on the show. I had a uh, drama teacher back in drama school who said, if you want to learn about drama, watch sports. Mm-hmm. That is how you understand what drama is. This is uh people who um you know tune in to witness what they hope will be a three-act structure that uh they don't know the outcome of. The outcome is not predetermined, but often the scripts outperform uh those that are written uh ahead of time. And um in this case, I would say that is was certainly certainly true that uh, at least if you were a fan of my team. And again, we were the heels. Most of America was rooting for the underdog, the the people that have never been there, the sort of blue-collar, working-class, middle America <laughs> team that uh, has never made it with a, a new coach in his third year who uh, who is gruff and and relatable. Uh, and yet my team squashed them in the end. Mm-hmm. It was a joy mm-hmm. to watch yeah. and yeah. Uh, Jeff thoroughly likes entertaining.
0: Des- Jeff likes destroying dreams, really, is what... Yeah, what I mean, honestly, them. any other if they had been facing any other team,
2: I would have been also rooting for the for the Lions. But you know, it was my team, uh, team of my youth, the team I have uh, sweated with and and cried over and uh, celebrated for my entire life. And so uh, we're going to another Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Uh, the AFC game was also thrilling. This was just an extraordinary weekend, uh, extraordinary day of uh, of football. Uh, the, the both games were really. Competitive, uh, unpredictable. Had some just bonkers plays. There was a there was a play in the the Baltimore Kansas City game where uh, uh, Lamar Jackson, the the quarterback for the Ravens, uh, threw a pass. It was batted in the air, and he caught it himself. Which never happened. This doesn't happen. It's it's kind of a kind of a ridiculous situation. But he caught it himself and advanced the bar. Like the, he threw it in the air, and then he caught it and ran for it. It was wild. And then there was a a play in the 49er game where uh, uh, Brandon Ayuk, one of our star wide receivers, uh, was going very deep, long pass from Brock Purdy, and it ricocheted off of a uh, defender's helmet into the air, and he caught it uh, dramatically. There was a lot of just wildly dramatic moments and a a thrilling, thrilling Sunday,
0: and, and one that I
2: will always remember.
0: All right, well, I'm glad you got to experience that. I have some bad news for you. As you mentioned, 49ers are facing off against the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't feel good about the 49ers' chances considering I have heard tell that uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are a, a couple that's actually a CIA psyop intended mm. to prop up Joe Biden. So That, that would make uh, a lot more sense, actually. Yeah, but, so you got some... Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling they're going to win the Super Bowl. It's you kind have any of, pamphlets uh, I can subscribe to, sir? Yeah, according yeah. to uh, all the scuttlebutt I'm hearing. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. We're anyway. definitely
2: um, we're definitely living in delightful times. Yes, uh-huh. absolutely, absolutely.
0: All right. Well, it's a Jeff-heavy news segment because uh, there was also news announced this week that Netflix is going to become the new home of WWE Raw beginning in 2025. This is, I think, a five billion dollar deal uh, in which uh, Raw will leave linear television for the first time since it began 31 years ago. Uh, and the premium live events, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Royal Rumble will also be available on Netflix starting 2025. Uh, so, Jeff Kanata, you're the biggest wrestling fan on the podcast. I'm curious, like, what your reaction was when you heard about this deal. Netflix really trying to get into live events, trying to get into sports, and this represents its latest push. What are your thoughts, Jeff?
2: You're telling me I get to talk about football and wrestling on the same show? <laughs> uh, Indeed. We're we're losing listeners by the droves. <laughs> Uh, don't worry, guys, there's still Sundance coming up. So yes. it's balanced.
1: It's balanced. <laughs> I mean, there's also a lot of cannibalism we'll be talking about in <laughs> yeah, yeah, the jam-packed yeah, yeah, yeah. episode. But really yeah. something for everybody. Yeah, this is- <laughs>
2: absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is a huge deal. I mean, $5 billion is nothing to sneeze at. That is a remarkable amount of coin for uh, wrestling, which is really, I think, in yet another heyday, a lot of uh, wrestling smarks, as we like to call ourselves, which is a smart mark, um, You know, uh, talk about eras of wrestling. And I think we are, we're, we're entering into a, a real uh, strong era, or have entered into one for the last several years, another very strong um, era in wrestling. And um, I think this points to that. It also points to the fact that Netflix really wants to be a cable network you know yeah they don't yeah. they don't want to mm-hmm, be the people mm-hmm. that send you discs in the mail they don't even want to be the people that give you an entire season of television to watch in a sitting they want to be everything they want to be a cable network they want to be live events they want all of it absolutely yeah. they want and, your eyeballs
1: uh, really like you know, yeah at all times if, if well, it's mobile
2: games or whatever right yeah well i i you know obviously this means we're going to be seeing uh commercials on netflix as well because um you know you don't do events like raw without commercials so I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that I all mean, plays. There already
0: is an ad-supported tier on Netflix, but um, I, I assume the integration would be different mm-hmm. for something like Raw, yep. right? So, yeah, and this yeah. would
2: be on every, you know, regardless of your tier. There's going to yeah. be commercials. What, in this what if you
1: could make companies pay high prices, prices to show their advertisements?
2: I mean, at specific points in time. Yeah. To, yeah, to, to be to be fair, Incredible. I uh, literally watched the AFC Championship game we were just talking about <laughs> between the Ravens and the Chiefs on Paramount Plus which I am paying for mm-hmm. and suck copious amounts of ads because that's mm-hmm. just that
0: content has ads in it. They
1: mm-hmm. also throw ads. Paramount throws ads like at the beginning of shows, even if you have the good plan. So it's mm-hmm. like you always get a small preview of yeah. something, yeah.
0: but yes. you're talking about like, welcome to the Bud Light moment of the game. or No, what, you know, no, like like I'm talking oh. about now here's a commercial for Bud Light.
2: There's a commercial yeah. for Bud Light. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's a f a, a you've watched a football game. You know right, what, foot, right. you know what American because football in is. In between right, David? plays, they, yes. uh, they show <laughs> That's ads. Right. They, right, they so. cut to yeah. commercial. Yeah. And they still do that even though I'm paying for Paramount Plus. Yeah. Um I'm paying for an ad list tier of Paramount Plus, it does not matter because this content mm-hmm. it's uh it's like having baked in ads, you know. Yeah.
0: Uh, I think this will probably make the experience more convenient for a lot of people. Uh, like, obviously, they have to pay for Netflix, so that part is inconvenient. Um, but once you do, my guess is the the user experience will be improved, right, from yeah. what it currently is. So, well, it's it's extraordinary to me that
2: you know, as somebody that grew up watching pay per views uh, for big wrestling events like WrestleMania and paying you know forty, fifty dollars a pop, that we're in an era, and it have been for a while. This is not new. Uh, but in an era where it, you know WrestleMania is just going to be on Netflix, it's yeah. just pr- pretty wild. Yeah. Um, but hey, the uh, the other big news is that Vince McMahon st- stepped down, like yes. quit, fired, whatever. He's a- ending his, which you know also has a precedent and doesn't necessarily mean he's gone for good. But I think that's big news. It, this is a huge, uh, huge, huge deal money wise for the WWE. A huge deal for Netflix, and in order to recoup that kind of investment—five billion with a B—there's um, going to be a, need to be a lot of people uh, watching mm-hmm. this content. So I assume we're going to see Netflix pushing it in a huge way. Yeah, and yeah. I uh, mean,
1: you guys yeah. remember the pay-per-view days? Like you were talking about it, Jeff. Like you remember yeah. what an event
2: those were? Oh yeah. Like
1: you would get all your family's friends would come and hang over, and you guys would maybe split the cost of the thing. But it was such an event, and I can imagine Netflix is looking at that term like pay pay-per-view, huh? Interesting. <laughs> I wonder what we could do with that. If only we had, like, a payment mechanism. And we had everybody's financial
0: information already, and we could do something with that. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Netflix continues to, the move towards being, as you said, Jeff, uh, a cable channel. Uh, and this is definitely a, a big move and, you know, might even encourage me to check some of this stuff out, I think. Uh, yeah, in a way that, we could do
2: a whole episode, a whole After Dark on WrestleMania
0: perhaps we'll see how it goes hey royal rumble happened this weekend
2: we could you know it's good stuff the ending was a little lame but
0: all right well those are a couple of items of film news for you let's get to what we've been watching this week uh i'll i'll start us off with uh, something that's not sundance just so we have something that's not sundance this week i had a chance to watch echo which is streaming right now on uh hulu and disney (laughs) plus missed it dave I was supposed to Damn it. I was supposed to be doing that too. Uh-huh. I mean, Say nice. that again. Yeah. What say were you watching, Dave? I was watching Echo. 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 Nice. Echo. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh so I have a few thoughts on this. First of all, I think this show has some of the most inventive creative stuff that I've ever seen in any Marvel show and I think it's like uh what five episodes and Every episode of the show begins with a flashback to something that's happened in the past. Um, Echo is about Echo, and uh, and an, uh, a deaf Indigenous woman who becomes a Marvel superhero, and uh, and a- every episode begins with like this flashback to some part of her ancestral history. And, and, and like how it helped to like inform or shape who she is today. And that was just like, re- some of those sequences are really incredible and just visually dazzling. And, and some of the more interesting things you've seen in, in our Marvel show. Um, you know, the, the actor, Alakwa Cox, who plays Echo is uh, really talented, brings an amazing physicality to the role. Um, and so there's a lot to like in Echo that makes it unique and, and interesting unfortunately there's also a lot that is very bad about the show uh i would say the biggest problem is it starts off by saying like it's a marvel spotlight show so there's like this Mm -hmm. this uh logo that says marvel spotlight and uh do you guys know what marvel spotlight is supposed to be there was like a little pr beat around it a few months ago not not
1: really but we
0: had like the marvel Knights stuff on netflix right like like, that was mm, that that branding Disconnected
2: from continuities in some way. Absolutely, that's what
0: it was supposed to be. It was supposed (laughs) to be, oh hey, standalone stories. Yeah, you know, you you can just. It's kind of like lower stakes, not world-ending stakes. Standalone stories, Mm -hmm. and so that's that's what the the public messaging around Marvel Spotlight was. I want to be clear: like Google Marvel Spotlight, go read any of the fifty thousand articles that were written about it. It's what Jeff just said, which is, you you don't need to pay attention to the continuity. You can just watch the show and enjoy it. Uh, immediately opens by referencing Hawkeye and a bunch of stuff that you cannot possibly understand. They can't help you, themselves unless you have watched other MCU. <laughs> stuff. In fact, I, the first thirty minutes of the show is virtually incomprehensible unless oh, you have man. watched uh, Hawkeye and or Daredevil and other stuff. Like, it, did they
1: just take it to mean like just small stories? That's all. Small right, stories. They, that's all it's going to be. That's fine. That's, that's a that's spotlight.
0: Fine. That's fine. You know, yeah. but that's not what the messaging was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and unfortunately the the stuff about the show that is the weakest which is to say its main through line is um what what the main plot of it is which is kind of tied into other MCU stuff and is in my opinion extremely uninteresting uh so at the end of the day it's not a terrible show not not a bad show but it's just very very mixed because mm-hmm. you have this really interesting like this character that feels really fresh and original And then you have all this other baggage from other MCU stuff that really weighs the show down. Uh, And so I don't know that I would recommend this as anyone's entry into the MCU, but at least they're trying new things. So is this a show either of you guys have uh, checked out yet? Not yet. There's been way too much
1: other things to watch. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah I'm the same absolutely. way. I don't, I don't know what's happening to me. I don't understand it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hair, hair is growing in new places. Yeah. And, I'm,
0: and Jeff is skipping. I'm uh,
2: ignoring Marvel shows right and left. I, I mean, Jeff, yeah. you've
0: been ignoring Star Wars shows, shows yeah. all over. So, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. All, yeah. it's all happening. Equally wow. as
2: baffling to me.
0: Yeah. I yeah. don't
2: understand why. I don't care.
0: Well, anyway, that's Echo. And it's currently streaming right now on Hulu and Disney Plus. Let's take a break for a sponsor and we'll be right back with more of what we've been watching right after this.
3: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help.
0: You have availed yourself of Sundance's online mm-hmm. opportunities. Tell us about something you've been watching at Sundance this week.
1: Well, I did check out a, a little movie that won the Grand Jury Prize. Yes. So that that's something. Uh, I saw In the Summers, which is the directorial, I believe the... I'm not sure if it's the debut. Yeah, it's her feature debut of Alessandra La Carosa Samudio. It's a movie about uh, two young girls who are visiting their estranged father, uh, over the summers, and we kind of see their relationships grow over time. It starts with them as kids, and you know, changes over time. There's a bit of like, almost like boyhoodness to this, except you know, they have to change the actors. And uh, I, I found this movie really compelling, if a little frustrating. I can understand why it won the Grand Jury Prize. I think it is a, it is like suitably dramatic. I think there there is stuff I was gasping throughout this movie, and I think the portrait of these two sisters who we are just like trying to find some connection with their dad, and their dad's just like. He, d- he just is really not like up to the task, right? Mm-hmm. He is, he's a normal oh, of, guy of, of fatherhood, yeah. A fatherhood yep. of of life, honestly, too. And I think that's a pretty, it's a pretty honest portrait of somebody who may be dealing with alcoholism, you know, and drug use and all sorts of things. Um, do you have to say, I think the, like, the actors are all very good. Like, they're yeah. out in Residente, the rapper plays the father, and he is so down to earth and organic. Like, he feels so real. I think he really grounds the movie and I think all the uh, you know the actors who play the girls and their friends throughout this movie are all pretty fantastic um it's a movie that's a little frustrating because I think um it kind of cuts at weird times it cuts at like really interesting emotional beat opportunities or opportunities to let a scene play out and that felt kind of weird the this the narrative is a little disjointed because we follow them every couple years basically and we see the girls age too and uh, you know there's there's some like cliched stuff that happens i feel like that tends to happen in stories like this a little bit of
0: a little bit of misery porn uh i would i would not say that i would not say that this is
1: not I'm this just did saying, not feel like a, uh, did not feel like a Lars von Trier, you I'm just know, saying, entry. I, I'm not
0: saying, I'm just saying it
1: dabbled a little.
0: Just, you know, it I'm dabbled. It, I'm d- saying it, bad it things, things happen. in. Yeah, yeah. Bad I'm things saying,
1: happen. Yeah. And I think that's, that is totally fine. Uh, I would, uh, Misery Porn to me is a movie that like revels in it. Right. That's sure. like, this is all okay. I have to offer and that's there fair. is no that's hope. Fair. And I did not feel that here, but I did feel, yeah, certainly there is like heightened drama times, sometimes a little melodramatic and, um. I don't I, like that's the sort of thing where I feel like this director clearly is very talented and has like really interesting stories to tell. Yeah. This is also a story about like a queer awakening that I found really moving to like that aspect to it of, um you know, one of the girls basically discovers her sexuality by meeting somebody. And they that person ends up being an influence in their life and a good one and a grounding influence. And that was really moving to see like how that relationship evolved. So clearly there's a lot of good stuff here. I will say I felt a lot better about seeing this movie win a big prize like this compared to, like, uh, you know, Coda, which is a movie I didn't hate. But when I saw it at Sundance, I was like, huh, I feel like I've seen this movie uh, 20 times already, you know. Um, and then when we reviewed it here, like, I feel like uh, Mr. Walter Chad did a good job of, like, eviscerating that movie. But that movie felt so safe. It felt so, like... The stakes weren't quite there. I d- I didn't quite know like the the power of that story, and I didn't ha- ask that question about this. Like I cared about these girls. I wanted to see them kind of connect with their father. I wish that happened. I think it's a very like almost like a near realist story in that you kind of want good things for these people, but life and their humanity and their decisions just kind of gets in the way. So I find it pretty powerful, if a little you know, if a little frustrating at times.
0: Uh, Yeah, the movie's In the Summers, which won the Grand Jury Prize of Sundance. Mm -hmm. I also really enjoyed this movie. Uh, One of the most interesting things about this movie is how this movie handles the passage of time. Mm -hmm. Um, You you have these two girls who are visiting with their father, and the movie follows them during four visits that take place across the course of many years. And it just really... struck me the ways in which the movie depicted the passage of time is interesting uh, and has trade-offs you have different actors playing the girls as time goes on Uh, and that is uh, that has its positives and negatives the positive is or the the negative is it's it can be hard to to maintain a sense of consistency right you can like every time there's a new actor shows up playing the character I have to remind myself, okay, that person is playing that. And like, do I buy that they're that person? I'm always thinking about that. But the advantage of that is you really experience the fullness of time, like how Mm -hmm. one set of relationships can reverberate across decades. Uh, And I think that's very cool. You know, like usually we experience that in a TV show, like dark that takes place over the course of many episodes. Right. Um, But with this movie, you got to get it all done in like 90 minutes. And, uh, and I thought it, it was overall quite effective, um, so I liked it. There's one touch I just want to mention, which is the dad has a swimming pool in his backyard. Yeah, that poor and, swimming pool. And as time goes on, the swimming pool like falls into a greater and greater state of. It's kind of like a metaphor, Dave. Right. Have yeah, you yeah, heard yeah, of yeah. those? I know, I know. But but About the I just state thought, of their relationship. I just thought it was a very elegant way of like it communicating was, yeah, the passage yeah. of time. Is like this swimming pool is becoming less and less habitable. You know. Um, so anyway. In the summers, uh, Davindra thought it was good but a little frustrating. Uh, I probably feel about the same way. Yeah, I like. I, liked I it. really liked it. I, w- yeah. I
1: want everybody to see this. I don't see any distribution info on this, so we kind of have to like highlight the stuff with Sundance. Exactly. These weird. movies will get bought eventually if they if we haven't talked about them yet. But hopefully, I, I hope this doesn't just end up on a streaming service and forgotten because it reminds me of like what what happened to A Thousand and One last year, which was one of the best movies from Sundance. And one of of your top 10 films of the year Yeah, So yeah, yeah. absolutely
0: disappeared Anyway, the movie's in the summers Grand Jury Prize winner at Sundance Congrats to the filmmakers Um, It was a really impressive film Mm -hmm. Jeff Kanata, hit us up with something you've watched this week
2: Well, I guess I could stay on the Sundance tip I I did not get uh, a lot of exposure to Sundance Uh, Dave physically went there uh, And then did the digital thing as well Devendra did the digital thing. I bought one ticket, a uh, single ticket to a single Pretty movie. Pretty good ticket for you, yeah. Yeah, th- this is, um, Dave uh, reached out and said, hey, Jeff, you you, you got to do this. And actually, I'd heard a number of other people. Um, in fact, I have somebody who's a listener to the show. Steve Arrington reached out and said, hey, you got you to gotta watch this movie. So, um, you know, Dave telling me is one thing, but multiple people. <laughs> Dave telling me is one thing,
0: a very small, insignificant and, thing. But other people, a thing easily ignored. But when it becomes, <laughs>
2: um, this is a, a a documentary called Ebelin Yes, and um, I will tell you, in the first two minutes of this movie, I was bawling my eyes out. Uh, this is a a, a heartbreaking and um, you know quite moving uh, tale of a young man who was born with a very rare uh, muscular disorder that caused his his muscles to atrophy uh, quite dramatically over time he um he was um uh, confined to a wheelchair quite early in his life and only lived to 25 years old and passed away from this disease uh in his sleep at 25 it's a tragic story and uh, quite sad and The very, the beginning of the movie very much, um, highlights his family and the, the process of them getting the diagnosis and kind of coming to terms with, uh, raising a child, um, who has special needs and you know, whose, whose life expectancy is not long. And, you know, as somebody who literally was told by doctors that my daughter was not going to live past adolescence, um you know i found this to be devastating just a devastating watch it is uh it is full of archival footage of uh the kid as a young uh, you know as a baby as a as a toddler and the parents and birthdays and you know just um it's quite powerful stuff just to reckon with that aspect of it but that's not really what the movie is about the movie is about is the fact that after um this young man passed away, his parents discovered unbeknownst to them at the time that uh, his very robust online gaming life had yielded uh, a number of relationships that they had been completely unaware of, uh, that he had had this entire other persona. um, His online name in World of Warcraft was Ebelin and that he had played... Tens of thousands of hours of World of Warcraft uh, in his last few years of life had, had taken solace there as his body had broken down and he'd become unable to do most things, including eating solid food. Uh, he would still been able to uh, play World of Warcraft and communicate via text with uh, a number of people in his guild, and he evidently was in a, um, a an RP server, which means that the took the role-playing aspects of uh, the fantasy world quite seriously and would do quite elaborate uh, role-playing scenarios and actually had uh, transcripts of all this recorded. So every interaction that he had had as Ebelin, the character Ebelin Redmore was his character, uh, had been uh, saved by the guild and um, presented to his parents after his passing. So they got to see a side of their child that um, they were unaware of and that, you you know, gave them a window into his inner life that – an inner life that they weren't sure he would even be able to have as uh, someone uh, with his disability. And I'm struggling not to get emotional right now, but – that is the uh that's the thing and, and this is explicit in the film that's the thing that as a as a parent of a, a child who is going to be dealing with challenges that are um extreme in this way i you know the parents explicitly say that that's the biggest fear is that your kid is not going to have those things that we all Point to as the most important parts of the human condition, uh, friendships, love um, some sense of normalcy in interacting with other human beings, and this uh, documentary Ebelin is about how the digital interactions uh, in and in more to the point gaming in particular enabled that for this young man. And it's um, it's a beautiful notion. Uh, and the movie, I think, does some interesting things in that it uses in-game visuals or an approximation of in-game visuals. They, uh, many of these um, transcripts, these interactions are actually animated uh, using World of Warcraft looking uh, animatic type stuff. Um, and I thought that was a really novel idea, not something I'd ever seen before. And I thought it was quite beautiful that it that it allowed them to um allowed them to give the, the viewer an insight into what these interactions were like. Now it's not realistic in the sense that they're using animation, pure animation that is beyond what you would get while playing World of Warcraft. But I also think it's a, a really interesting way of creating this documentary. And of presenting this um, this young man's experience in a way that I think is relatable to people that probably, you know, I would I would hope that a portion of this audience wouldn't have even ever experienced World of Warcraft, right? C- certainly, somebody like me that has spent countless hours in that world—it's uh, interesting to see those locations dramatized and mm-hmm. that as like a a setting for this movie uh but i also think it it kind of works for people that just don't have any context for it at all and i think that's kind of extraordinary but it's um it's beautiful i i i i don't necessarily know that it's hopeful uh it's still quite um sad but uh i thought the movie movie was uh interesting and certainly speaks to A side of video gaming that I think is is all too ignored in mainstream media, Mm -hmm. and that is you know the power to create these kind of lasting and um, impactful human relationships. I think people dismiss people that in the mainstream, uh, you know, uh, out of the personal experience of it, dismiss the ability to actually have real human contact uh, in this setting and i think this movie makes a case that it is actually quite profound and you get to see really the impact that this man this young man had on a, a number of people in the
0: digital world. Devendra, did you have a chance to check out Ebelin uh, I didn't it, it was on yeah. my
1: list because so many people were talking about how good it is but uh, listen i have i have clear memories of being on the interne- internet in the 90s right and being a part of communities similar to this and just like This is something we don't talk about that much. You know, it's not like Tron. It is people can have these very fulfilling relationships and lives uh, digitally, you know, especially if the real world is not not so great for them. So I do want to see this eventually. I think the
2: the best thing about the movie, in my opinion, is how seriously it treats all of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not um, in a way it is explaining this community and this hobby to uh, you know, laymen, uh, muggles, <laughs> so to speak, mm-hmm. um, folks that wouldn't be familiar with it, but it's not doing it in a way that is like, Hey, we're all normal, but look at these weirdos and how they behave. It really is treating it with respect and a kind of seriousness and, and, um, uh, maturity that is all too rare, I think.
0: Yeah, I had a chance to watch this movie as well, and I think it's very good. By the way, Jeff, the director is Benjamin Ree, who made "The Painter and the Thief," which is a movie I think you also. mm -hmm. uh, I adore that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it it struck me as a very like the perspective was kind of very '90s in a lot of ways, in the sense that um, there, like today, it's quite acceptable I think to make friends online, but back then it was pretty much unthink the idea was like unthinkable, right? Mm -hmm. Like that you could have meaningful friendships from people you'd never met before. Um, And, uh, and so I think this movie really kind of uh, points out how meaningful those relationships can be and does it in a really beautiful way. Um, And yeah, I thought it was, was really powerful and shows the potential of what, uh, digital media and specifically games, specifically uh, the role that those things can have in bringing people together. So uh, yeah, I thought it was really powerful, really moving. Uh, I was definitely uh, bawling by the end of this film. And I think a lot of people watching this will as well. So uh, the movie is Ebelin. It streamed at Sundance this last weekend and also was acquired by Netflix.
3: So oh, yeah, it will that, be available
0: sometime in the next year or two, probably to watch on Netflix. Hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, that is Ebelin, and that's what Jeff's been watching this week. All right. Uh, I will talk about something else I've been watching from Sundance. And I do want to mention, by the way, that um, uh, Devindra and I watched like a bunch more movies than we will actually talk about today. And so through the After Dark, we'll be talking about a few more Sundance films. Uh, that'll be this week's After Dark available at patreon.com slash film podcast. I watched another movie that was acquired by uh, Sundance and I'm sorry, uh, Netflix. And that is Skywalker's a love story. Did you guys hear about this movie by any chance? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Skywalker's a love story. This is a, a movie about two people who do this thing called rooftopping, uh, oh, which is this terrifying. thing, which I is can't. this thing where they <laughs> climb to the top of skyscrapers and take photos of themselves on rooftops. Uh-huh. Uh, and
1: they do so... Well, we gotta do something about these subcultures. We're just like, we're, we're at the point, remember the flatlining culture? You yeah. know, <laughs> pop star never stop, never stopping like yeah. that. That's yeah. what, that's yeah. what yeah.
2: we're well, doing, basically. Just, just recently, didn't that this uh, Instagrammer fall 300 feet Ooh. to their death? Um,
0: uh, yeah, I mean, just, just last week die I all the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know about the ones in this movie. I don't think that's happened, because I think I would have heard about it. But uh, yeah, this um, Skywalker's a love story... Tells the story of two rooftoppers who
2: uh, Luke and met, each
0: other, met each other and fell in love, and <laughs> uh, and kind of and the the sort of collaborations that result from that because um, it's a you know. <laughs> As somebody who spends a lot of time filming myself for online videos, a lot easier when you have someone helping you, you know? <laughs> and so, and it's... If only I, I could be in a relationship with somebody as crazy as me! Exactly, and I imagine it's way easier... Uh, when that other person also knows how to climb to the top of skyscrapers with no specialized equipment, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a warning that flashes at the beginning of this movie that, like, you know, what you're about to see is extremely dangerous and very illegal. You know, like, do not attempt. Yeah. basically
2: profoundly stupid. Um, Don't mm. do it. Here, let's look at these people who do it. Uh,
0: this movie is awesome. Uh, it's thrilling. It's really well put together. It has this propulsiveness that I think it makes it irresistible. Uh the the movie is structured kind of like this heist um where they're trying to like kind of do these quote unquote big jobs where you know uh they they climb to the top of high things illegally that's the thing that they're trying to do and uh it's it's just really really well done it's one of my favorite movies that I saw uh during Sundance and it was also acquired by Netflix it'll be available for everyone to watch but yeah it it's just really really well put together and honestly shows you what is Physically possible for humans to, to do. Um, agreed that it is not smart what they are trying to do, Jeff, but this, it's also, you this know, feels it feels like free solo. It, it, a bit. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was a movie that I, you know, got sweaty palms watching. I like, gave me the heebie jeebies. And I'm, I'm interested to watch this, but I, I suspect it will have the same effect
0: on me. Yeah. It's free solo with skyscrapers and a lot more romance and illegal activity. Uh, there's so, a lot of
2: romance in free solo i I yeah, know but this is yeah.
0: even more than that is what I'm saying. <laughs> Imagine you watching know? this on your vision pro, Jeff. oh my yeah. goodness <laughs> I don't know if I would because there's a lot of um oh i GoPro, would goPro footage right so uh, it's, yeah, yeah it's very like first person perspective, very shaky. I want that though um, it's gonna be great, but the footage that's here apparently you know the the director said they had filmed over they had over two hundred hours of footage that was compressed into this film. Uh, it's amazing. It's really impressive. I was am a huge fan, and I can't wait for everyone to see Skywalker's a love story uh, when it comes out on Netflix later. I'm surprised they could even use that title. Yeah, it's yeah. A little, I I don't know if I would go with that title. And often titles change after uh, they are acquired. Well, you know, because
2: just, I'm surprised they didn't get a letter from yeah, the Disney Corporation. Yeah,
0: you know? I, I think at this stage, um typically you know disney doesn't sue anyone because the, the movie hasn't made any money yet you know yeah uh, but no, nobody yeah, knows this movie desist. exists yes yeah, really, really. They might yeah. get a, but that yeah, yeah. They, you know the, the same thing happened a while ago with remember that movie that got filmed in disney world um mm-hmm. the world of tomorrow or something it was something mm. um I think that, that, was that was like it. somebody filmed an entire freaking movie uh Escape from Tomorrow. That's what it was yeah. in 2013. Yeah. They filmed an entire movie in Disney World or in Disneyland with no authorization, right? And then, and it was eventually fought out in court. But that typically only happens after the movie has debuted, mm-hmm. basically. So maybe that's still to come, Jeff. But uh, typically, it doesn't happen before the movie even comes out, so or before anyone's seen the film. So uh, Skywalker's love story. It's another thing I've seen at Sundance. I loved it. Let's take another break for a sponsor. We'll be back with more what we've been watching right after this. Divindra Hardwar, you had a chance to check out a documentary I was
1: really curious about. Tell us yeah. about it. I saw Seeking Mavis Beacon at Sundance. And this is a movie, by the way, mm. that already has distribution by Neon. So it's going to be in theaters eventually this year. Nice. Um, this movie is really, it's really fun. I think it really gets at the vibe of Sundance because it is a documentary about two young black women who are, you know, who grew up using uh, Mavis Beacon teaches typing, um, kind of looked to her image as a sort of um, beacon in the world of tech. Because mm. you don't normally see like they didn't normally see people who look like them, and um,
0: you know, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. when I when I was growing up, I saw this Mavis Beacon yes. teaches typing, and uh, this documentary seemed to answer the question that I also had: Who the hell is Mavis Beacon? Who is Mavis right? Beacon? Who well, is there Mavis apparently
1: <laughs> there have been uh, there is no real Mavis Beacon. Sorry to pop that what? bubble. Spoilers uh, that that story's been out there, but um, what these uh, girls it. did is that they are. <laughs> god damn i'm sorry you're so a, you're so disappointed she was a, Berenst- a- berenstein bear, bear. Um uh, there was one apparently there was one model who was in or uh, somebody who history has claimed was a model because uh their their background is just like it's all kind of erased at this point but they go seeking out the person the woman who is the star of the first cover of mavis, mavis be Contagious mm-hmm. typing the thing that even even the existence of that Uh, was a little controversial at the time because this was the first piece of software to feature a black person on the cover, I believe. And certainly nothing else has featured a black woman. Uh, One of the founders of the company behind Mavis Beacon even said like some of their orders were cut just because of the cover, like the orders from typical suppliers, like they did not order as many as they typically do. This thing ended up becoming a hit. And I think for a lot of people, certainly myself included, Mavis Beacon was like, an icon of early computing um i remember like trying playing the game because it's essentially a game it's a typing game where you try to you know uh complete the words uh properly it helps you with hand positioning there's a whole lot of identity going on too because you see her hands when you're playing the game so there's almost like an embodying effect and i think this movie um it's a really interesting documentary Maybe also a little frustrating at times because uh, it's uh, directed and written by Jasmine Jones. And uh, she also has a lot of help from Olivia Michaela Ross, who is sort of her like co-conspirator or co-investigator. And they end up having a space. They have like a space in an office in San Francisco where they build up like a clue board, you know, like uh, they're treating it like a big mystery to figure out all the maybe yeah, speaking. Right? Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. try to figure out this, who this first model is. And I'm not going to say exactly what happens. I will say, you know, the 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 beauty of it is that Mavis Beacon was in our hearts all along. I think that's the ultimate point of this. <laughs> the real um, Mavis Beacon, yes, was the friends was we the made typing along, way. We typed along. Yeah. the way. Was the influence she had on the people around her. Yeah. Um, I think this is a really fun and frenetic documentary. Like it is a little spiritual at times. It is very like very loose because also, um, you know, Jasmine Jones and her and Olivia Ross, like they just get really emotional about the subject too so they have like this closeness to the subject matter that is both i think endearing maybe a little too cloying at times and maybe uh, as we get towards the end like that at points they're just like begging to meet this woman and it gets really emotional i'm like man guys w- we we could do this but you know it's it's one of those things it just feels like um it's the work of like a really inventive and young mind but i think like as they make more films and i hope they do I think Jasmine Jones like has the potential to be as influential as Mavis Beacon was for a whole new generation of people. So I think like that's the best outcome I can think of from this movie. It's a lot of fun. It's a really fun watch. And uh, yeah, hopefully people will be able to check it out soon.
0: I love movies that have this kind of concept where it's like, what, you know, let's, yeah. this, this weird mystery from our childhood, let's dig deep into it. You know, there's, a, there's a podcast called Decoder Ring that does a very similar thing mm-hmm. that I really enjoy. Uh, but uh, I'm glad you found a lot to like in the movie. It's Seeking Mavis Beacon. Yes. And it is another Sundance movie that Devinger watched and that will be available to watch later this year. Well, yeah, in theaters. Uh, I also
1: wrote up a review in Gadgets if you want further thoughts.
0: Very cool. Jeff Kanata, hit us up with something you've been watching.
2: Well, no more Sundance for me, but I have been continuing my little, my little foray into anime, my little anime journey. Yeah, this is so uh, cool, Jeff. This is great. This is great, Jeff. Who's the guy that just uh, got himself a little Crunchyroll subscription? This guy Ooh. with the thumbs. <laughs> right here. Um, and um, my, uh, the, the, our nanny, the 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 young woman who takes uh, care of our kids after school for a couple of hours. Um recommended a uh, an anime to me. And so I decided to check it out. It's called uh, free Ren beyond journeys end. And uh, this is available uh, only on Crunchyroll as far as I'm aware in the States. And um, the premise of this anime, it, it, this is another sort of fantasy kind of uh, very traditional D and D esque fantasy uh, setting and the main character Freeren is a, an elvish wizard a, a mage uh who is a sort of classic tolkien elf uh archetype which means she is nearly immortal lives for thousands of years yeah yeah and uh the beginning of this anime starts it's called beyond journey's end it starts after most fantasy adventure stories conclude so the beginning of this anime the four greatest adventurers of the day this uh, this Elven mage uh, a human uh, a dwarvish warrior and uh somebody else there's four of them uh, have defeated the demon Lord and saved the world that happens before this entire in- this story yeah. starts like this they is like did the walk it. back to
1: hobbiton basically
2: yeah they did something. it they yeah. they <laughs> saved the world and now what uh the world is saved and they were they spent 10 years of their lives journeying together as a party of adventurers they defeated the demon lord all of that off screen all of that before the the anime starts the anime is about the fact that not n- now what and it's not all of them because one of the things that I think is so amazing about this, this, um, anime, th- this anime is really about time and it is very melancholic. It's very, um, it's, it's, it's just this kind of sad rumination on time. And you have a main character who is this sort of timeless near immortal And she spent 10 years with these people. And then pretty immediately in the very first episode of this anime, we skip forward 50 years. Uh, You know, they, they have defeated the demon Lord. They go to this, uh, this meteor shower that only happens once every 50 years in this world. And they're like, Oh wow. Well, we'll all meet again at the next time this meteor shower happens and then cut to, uh, free Ren coming back to the town to at the meter shower. She looks exactly the same and everybody else is nearly dead.
3: <laughs> yeah. Right.
2: All her but friends the classic
1: are classic elf problem. Oh, Yes. Classic <laughs> elf
2: problem. And it really is this, the, 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 I haven't watched them. Um, there's, I think it's ongoing. I think there's like 20 episodes that are available now. They're, they're 25 minute episodes. Um, So I've, I've watched a number of them, but there's a lot more to be seen. And, it's kind of uh, so far, this kind of episodic. Uh, what are we going to do today? And in like the second episode or third episode, it's, uh, you know, let's find a flower. Let's ma- find a magical spell that can make a flower be nice in somebody's yard. You know, it's like, it's just everyone's m-
1: like, I sure wish there was some world ending demon hanging around.
2: Yeah, there's not. Yeah. There's not. And, and, uh, there's another I mean not to spoil anything these are very early episodes but there's an episode where they like they go back to the demon um because the the magical um seal that they've put on the demon expires in 80 years and so uh Free Ren comes back because she's still alive and looks the, no- the same she comes back to like put the seal back on but the demon they, the demon like pops out and he's like Ha-ha! I'm back. And uh, he, you know, the thing that had made him super scary was that he had invented uh, death magic, like killing magic that, that was could uh, penetrate even the most potent of defensive spells and just murder people. And so they had sealed him in the seal and saved the world. They come back 80 years later and it's like, ha ha, death magic and <laughs> free, free run is like, Boop, no problem. She's like, hey, I got to let you know. 80 years has passed and everybody decided that the most important thing was to figure out how your death magic worked and (laughs) come up with a, an antidote. So like 80 years of progress means that it's pretty commonplace now that death magic and no one thinks it's scary anymore. It's so like this, this whole show is basically subverting the genre and, and talking about all the stuff that you don't talk about, you know, like, the passage of time and the the kind of boring stuff and just this wandering around looking for stuff to do and and what it's really like to be nearly immortal. It's a fascinating, fascinating thing, and I'm I'm enjoying it. It's Free Ren Beyond Journey's End. I'm Very so happy cool. for you, Jeff.
1: That you are in your anime moment. You are almost you're you're going to be a full weeb soon. It's going to be
2: great. I do. Honestly, don't know how long this is going to last, but I'm, I'm in it. I'm doing it. And I'm well, having a good time. But before you
1: lose it, I got to recommend some classic stuff. Like, we yes. got to do something at some point. Well,
2: yeah. here's what I don't want you to recommend. I, I uh-huh. would love to get DaVinci recommendations. Uh-huh. I don't want you to recommend a 500
0: episode because
2: that's what's going to turn me off. That's what's going to, like, I like jumping in and being like, okay.
1: Oh, no, it's no, very no. delicate. The-
0: if you even speak a 500 episode <laughs> thing, Jeff will get so discouraged. Some,
1: th- there that's are some right. shows that do that, but the, cl- the beauty of like old animes is like Kobe- Cowboy Bebop is like, what, 25 episodes? Episodes, you know, mm-hmm. Evangelion is just like a full, like twenty five and a couple movies. So there's such good stuff we can dive right. into at some point.
2: I'm into it. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it.
0: Yeah. Let's see. All right. Free Ren Beyond Journey's End. Another thing Jeff canada has been watching, and Jeff, I, that's on Crunchyroll, right? As you said. Correct. Right? Yeah. All right. Okay. uh I will mention a movie called Thelma that I had a chance to watch. Thelma, the one about the psychic girl, Dave. The one uh,
2: about uh, no before she meets Louise.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. This is a prequel to Th- there Thelma. There was Lose. a movie called Thelma about a mm. mysterious girl who had psychic powers. Mm, yeah, yeah, no, it's not that one. So this is also a movie that uh, world premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. It's called Thelma. It's uh, about a it's written and directed by Josh Margolin. Uh, it is about a 93-year-old woman named Thelma Post who is uh, duped into a oh, uh, an internet scam. Beekeeper. Right. Yeah, this is Beekeeper, but, yes, but like, yes, the way I would want it to be done. Like... This is Beekeeper, but the woman, the ninety-three-year-old <laughs> yeah. woman, <laughs> is the action Fel- star. Yeah, it's Felicia Rashad going on a, a killing spree. Right. Exactly. Exactly right. I mean, no, you know, I, I won't say much about how many people get killed in this movie, but <laughs> I'll say it's very grounded and realistic. Uh, Have you ever seen an uh, old woman beekeeper. do a John Wick action scene? <laughs> Dude. everyone's doing it now. Amazing. What's so June Squibb? It's like as, watching
2: Yoda fight.
0: <laughs> June Squibb stars as the main actor, and uh, she is delightful. Apparently, she did all of her own stunts in the movie, or many yes, of her own love stunts. Uh, and this movie is just a delight, guys. It is. Yeah, I really want to see this. It's a. Uh, it shows obviously like a uh, protagonist that we typically don't see on the big screen. By the way, it's an v- extremely relevant mm-hmm. movie for our times. Like, I was surprised at how topical it is because yeah. the the scam that occurs that happens in the first like ten minutes of the movie is. Um, She gets a call from somebody who's supposed to sound like her grandson saying, I'm in jail. I need you to send money to bail me out of jail. Is he standing in a neon lit room and holding court in front of all the cool scammers? If only. (laughs) I will say that the depiction of scamming in this movie, I think, is way more realistic than what you see in The Beekeeper, Jeff. Um, And... Yeah. Uh, and that's like an actual scam that happens, right? Is Definitely. people will clone your voice mm-hmm. and then call your grandparents and say, Hey, I'm in jail. I'm in trouble. I'm in jail. Send money. Everyone needs to have this conversation with their grandparents of like, if you get a call from someone that sounds like me, make sure you just call my, like text yeah, me, just, just make hang sure up and call back. Yeah. yeah that's hang it. up and call back. You know, that's all. Yeah. I mean, it's easy uh, or text, text me, text, you know, call my cell phone, text me, you know, whatever, like make sure it's true before you send $10,000 to some strange person um and so that's the initial thing and she's like i'm out for revenge i need to get these people back and that's kind of what drives the movie uh and what's great about this movie is that it's not it's not just kind of like a fun romp but it also ultimately becomes a meditation on what it is like to be this old right what it is like like what 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 your life becomes and how challenging it is, the challenges that come with it. And, um, you know, she says at one point in the movie, like all of my friends are dead, right? Like, and how, uh, how, how lonely an experience that is. And, um, and the movie actually becomes in some ways about, you know, that, about aging, about how we need to depend on other people as we age. And I think it has a lot of like lovely ideas around that topic. So I, I think this movie is just delightful and mm-hmm. uh, worth checking out. And it's just so different than most movies that we see all the time, like the beekeeper, you know? So I would strongly recommend Thelma. I don't know that this movie has been acquired yet. It's going to be it
1: acquired.
0: It's, it's got so much buzz. I, I, you, not you only does have at... a buzz. I think it has yeah. a massive built-in audience. Yes. Like I yeah. think there's, there's a lot of people who will enjoy all the people
1: I went to movies with, uh, in New York <laughs> <laughs> who fell asleep, like during right. <laughs> day screenings, they're going to love this. Exactly. 100%, 100%. You had me 100%.
2: at different than the beekeeper. <laughs>
1: This is giving me some, like, Old Man and the Gun vibes, which is a great mm. movie. Yes, yes. people yes. should see. Yes. Very, very, very much like that. Redford. Um, isn't that Redford? Yeah, yeah, Redford, Redford? yeah, Robert Redford. Yeah, Robert
0: Redford, yeah. So the movie's Thelma. It's another movie, uh, another movie I saw via Sundance online screenings this week. Devinder, why don't you hit us up with one sure. last movie from Sundance? Let me tell you, I almost saw Thelma, but I was uh, – the thing about the whole Sundance queue
1: that we have to deal with <laughs> is that uh, there is a ticking clock. Yeah, there's a ticking clock for when the online access for I was lucky enough to be on his press. Um, there's a ticking clock for when that ended. And I had to be very careful about what I picked, because if I spend two hours on a movie, that's not worth it. That's time I don't get back and then time I can't see something else. Um, I figured Thelma would get picked up. Thelma has such like crowd pleasing potential. I was like yeah. I don't have to worry about that movie. A movie like Tenderberry is one I do have to worry about. It's something I believe I think Robert Daniels has written about this. Um yeah, but but it is so anxiety
0: inducing because you yes. you're like yes. hey, you might never have a chance to watch some of these movies ever again, right? Yeah. Guys, Jonathan Majors was in a movie last year
1: <laughs> which now disappeared. The distributor has given up on it, Magazine Dreams, because yep. of uh, all the stuff around him and nobody will ever see that movie. It's gone. I, does not exist
0: i don't know that it's never going to be seen but i would say it's very unlikely you will see that movie i don't know who's going to distribute that in, yeah, movie i agree i don't it's very unlikely you will see that movie anytime in the next 5 years i would agree with that i, I don't and know so, like, but yeah. so yeah so, so you just never know like sometimes movies get uh distributed and then mm-hmm. uh, or they they never get picked up for distribution sometimes they get picked up for distribution and then they fall out of distribution mm-hmm. so you can never you know there's so many movies that were had a theatrical release yes. in our society and then you can literally not even buy it today. You know, like there's so many movies that fall into that category. So just It's, awful. Just, it's very high pressure when you're you're like you only have, yeah. you know, 36 it's hours. It's not like left. looking at your Netflix queue. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like it's not just like what to watch. It's like uh
1: uh what's what's relevant, what's interesting, what what can right. you know be good to talk about, blah, blah, blah. Uh Tenderberry is one of those movies. And I think Tenderberry is fantastic. This is a debut feature. By Haley Elizabeth Anderson, if all was a 20-something girl in New York City um, who, you know, uh, she's a busker on the subway. She's working a job in a grocery store. It's about her living her life. She meets a guy, starts going out with a Ukrainian man who ends up going back to Ukraine to be with his father when he gets sick. And that's it, right? That is now she's on her own in New York City. Let me tell you guys, this movie was made for me. Because not only does it uh basically center on one of my favorite neighborhoods, which is like uh, Coney Island, Brighton Beach area, that's where she lives, but also she works basically two blocks from my old apartment. The poster of this movie is the girl, the main character, uh, Dakota, hanging off of the uh, street sign at Church Avenue and East 19th Street. That is you know, two blocks from my old apartment. It's just, I got all the New York feels from this movie. And it's, um I think it's a really interesting fascinating film about a girl just trying to make her way through the city you know through a place she loves but also a place that is not kind to her and a place that is really difficult to live in i think anybody who's ever lived in a big city can kind of get those vibes um it's also a really cool mixed media sort of presentation it starts with a sort of visual poem about the history of coney island and what it used to be and kind of what it means for new york um the sort of like thing where you know you're standing in a place where a hundred years ago People were doing completely different things like the city had a completely different character, but you're still walking the same ground. It's still the same like area and just how like poignant that can feel. And that's something I, I kind of always felt a lot in New York. So this is this feels like a movie made for people who have fallen in love with New York City and just are also sort of over it at the same time because it's very expensive. Um, you can lose your job easily. The city is not kind to you. But at the same time, there are these moments of beauty, which I think this movie does tend to uh, tend to like show us at times, too. It also dives into like DV footage from uh, a man who lived in the 80s and who basically spent his life doing a lot of like live streaming stuff. I didn't actually write his name down, but they're apparently the director got their hands on like hundreds of tapes from this person who has like footage from the 80s. I think maybe even early 90s of life in New York, life around Coney Island. And just having that interspersed with a young girl, you know, struggle to survive in the city and discover the city at the same time. Um, I think that is like really poignant and moving. I found this movie to be tremendous and I hope it gets distribution. This is one of those movies I have to worry about because it's so offbeat and specific. And honestly, the way Sundance movies used to feel like it is Mm -hmm. a very Mm -hmm. like creative innovative type of thing it was even in the uh what was it the like next innovators category which the freaking david schwimmer movie won i think <laughs> we're gonna talk about that yeah sometime. that we'll, seems we'll talk, like a i watched that
0: movie we'll talk about that in the afternoon yeah but, yeah. but
1: anyway this is tenderberry this yeah. movie i don't know if it will get a release this year but i really hope it does because it's beautiful it is a beautiful portrait of city life and how awful and how beautiful
0: it can be uh i will say that I was a little bit surprised by the percentage of movies that I saw at Sundance that already had distribution yes. heading yeah. into the festival, right? That that's t- typically they they go and it's it's exciting to see like which ones are going to get distribution, but like I would say a good 70 to 80% of the movie had like a bleaker street logo in front of them mm-hmm. or an A24 mm-hmm. logo in front of them uh or an HBO logo in front of them. And so uh yeah i don't know uh, you know uh, the other thing is that the slam dance festival is also going on at the exact same time as sundance huh. and that's like you know th- their whole thing is like bringing bringing indie back to its roots like these these are really movies that maybe only 500 people are ever gonna see and mm-hmm. so you know th- there is still there are still ways to access those kinds of movies um i i think they're trying to strike a balance between stuff that Is going to be like off the beaten path, but also uh, potentially appeal to a festival going audience. I'm I'm really
1: annoyed by the Netflix thing by the greatest night in pop getting such like a (laughs) a prominent feature at Sundance and to just be on Netflix Mm -hmm. the day after the festival is over. I think is really that just feels like a waste. I don't know of that platform,
0: but yeah, well, it's certainly not a waste for Netflix, right? Yeah, I mean, they 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 can use Sundance as like a a publicity move, but. yeah i think it's going to be something that continues to be a big question which is um the other the other thing davindra is right like most of these movies are not like would not do well at the box office yes in in the current box office environment and so they have to be picked up by a streamer in order to be financially successful um and so yeah we're in the middle of this this great reckoning in the entertainment industry right now and and um I think we're experiencing various portions of it through these movies that we see at at Sundance. But Mm -hmm. I agree with you, Davindra. A movie like Tenderberry, that is bringing it back to its roots. That is like... This is what the next category is about. That is what independent film festivals are about, is watching Mm -hmm. movies like this that are really off the beaten path that you can't see anywhere else, that you can't see on Netflix. And... uh, yeah, uh, I'm glad you had a good time with
1: it. Yeah. So I hope it ends up in Netflix at least. Like, I hope more people get to see it. I hope it doesn't go to freaking Peacock like a thousand and one and just disappears off the face of the earth. I will mention one
0: last movie real quick, uh, which also doesn't have dis- distribution, uh, but it's called Every Little Thing. This is another movie that kind of falls into mm-hmm. that category, Javingra. It's a documentary about a woman who lives in LA and rehabilitates hummingbirds. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and she people call her. They're like, "Hey, I found a hummingbird in my house, and it's like injured." can you come help this and she'll like do and so she keeps all these hummingbirds anyway the movie is delight it's really awesome mm-hmm. you really get invested in the lives of hummingbirds you know i was recording a, a a patreon bonus with my wife for my personal patreon yesterday and she was saying how I, I don't think either of us care about birds at all. I don't think we've ever even t- spoken about birds ever in our oh, entire man. lives. <laughs> oh, man. What a waste. You know, they say, was...
2: before you get married, you should always talk about birds.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she, said, she said, I don't think it's we've called ever the birds t- and the bees for a reason. <laughs> 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 she said, I don't think we've ever spoken about birds ever. And I thought back and I, and I was thinking to myself, I guess we have never really Just living dis- lives, dis- taking dis- birds <laughs> for granted. We have we got- never discussed wow. the subject of birds. <laughs> you got to
2: sit down and have that conversation, that awkward <laughs> conversation and take an mm, yeah. account of your personal feelings
0: <laughs> yeah. what are your favorite birds, you know? Yeah. Uh, what so many birds good birds know? out there. You Not thought you were
2: compatible <laughs> with your wife, and then you find out she likes sparrows, mm-hmm. and you're like, you're a total parrot guy. You know, yeah. while we're
0: on this subject, Jeff, uh, I'm just going to say this. I think hummingbirds have the bird equivalent of pretty privilege, you know? They're, they're, yeah. You know I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. People like, want them around. People yeah. want them around. They're, they're like, first of all, incredible to look at, they yeah. are they almost seem like they're out of a science fiction movie. Totally. You know? Otherworldly. Yeah. They they don't even feel like they're of this earth. Right. Uh you could not make a movie like every little thing about pigeons, because no one gives a fuck about pigeons. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I true, like pigeons. True, I true. like pigeons. No one no one's gonna sit Pigeon around be having pigeons. The, the rat of the sky. That's right. No one cares about pigeons. pigeons. I miss meanwhile, pigeons. Meanwhile, meanwhile, uh hummingbirds. Oh, let's throw all the resources of the world at one of these things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but living <laughs> as
1: a as a hummingbird is hard. Like your your little heart's beating so fast, you got to get, <laughs> get fuel otherwise you die. It's true. You fall out of the
3: sky. <laughs> that's sky. That's rough. I would rather be a
1: pigeon.
2: Yeah, to pigeon like pigeon like lands in water, bathes itself. Scrakes. Hummingbird's like, ah, ah, "Okay, what do I do?"
0: Give me some sugar oh. water. Sugar water. Amazing hummingbird uh, impersonation, Jeff. Thank you. anyway, uh, every little thing really, really awesome, kind of like a kind of like a nature film, but it's not really about nature, you know, it's mm-hmm. a, it's basically this woman rehabs hummingbirds and you follow the journeys of some of these hummingbirds as time goes on. The movie is really light on details. like <laughs> how does this woman fund this operation? you know, like what what is uh, how did she even start like how did it all happen? like it's really doesn't yeah. have any of that information at all which is kind of frustrating LA is full of people with like peculiar hobbies yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that
1: just yeah. are just like yeah, know they're wealthy somehow they have residuals from something I
0: don't know this is one of those movies that I would feel comfortable watching with literally anyone <laughs> literally it's like <laughs> okay. rated G or PG you know there is rated parents yeah. safe there are there yeah, just... there are some like birds that are injured in the documentary but like oh, no. but you know like literally anyone I'd feel like hey you'll enjoy the hummingbird movie. Is,
1: is there bird death in the here because there, there is, is bird death in and bluey and that can be
0: traumatized there is bird death there is bird oh, death. so i will oh, give you that warning but so are you guys setting up a feeder or anything dave because birds are kind of amazing Maybe <laughs> we should help them out <laughs> mm-hmm. i'll take that under i going to say
2: yeah uh bird has got to be uh, s tier terrible pet like just top <laughs> top in, in the top two or three worst pets you can uh-huh. have uh-huh. Tell, tell
0: tell tell us why that's the case, Jeff. I had what have they done uh, to you?
2: a girlfriend right after high school, right? Or excuse me, right after college, I had a, a girlfriend uh, who lived with a roommate who had a parakeet, <laughs> and the parakeet only knew. You know, you, you teach the parakeet to say the, the the adorable things. It only knew the first like two bars uh, of any song, you know. So uh-huh. uh, the we, it, and it would sing at all hours uh, in its little cage. Even if you put yeah. the the you put the hood over the cage, so it thinks it's nighttime. It doesn't care. It doesn't care. It's gonna sing. But it it'll do like the um the Adams family. But it will just do the beginning. Like it'll be like da na 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 da na 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 da na na It's just the beginning. It's da na 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 da na 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 Yeah. Da na na na. Not all birds
0: do that. Well. Hashtag Let's, not all birds. Joe. Not all birds. I are. Mean, I don't want to
2: paint with a broad brush, but you know, fuck birds <laughs> with a broad tail.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. Every little thing. Name of the documentary. I don't know that this has distribution either. So maybe mm-hmm. no one will ever see the bird movie. But it is. That like, sounds like Nat Geo or something. Yeah, where, it is a real crowd pleaser. Up. It is yeah. a movie where you get in inve- I have never been more invested in the lives of hummingbirds than while watching. Hey, have
1: this Have you book. guys ever like just just been sitting? You hear a little buzz. You look up. The hummingbird they, they, also sound, the, they also
0: sound the hummingbirds sound amazing they have cool yeah. sound design yes too, you know yes it's, it's like sound un, it's, design it's good dynamics. it's not fair like, that's the
2: other thing that if you want to be like a cool animal of any kind really uh but birds specifically uh-huh. you gotta be you gotta choose your moments you know like mm-hmm. the, that's the thing about the hummingbird is like anytime you see a hummingbird it feels special right right right,
0: right pigeons
2: right. just everywhere all the time like they have no sense of Self respect, you know, like mm-hmm. at least, be mm-hmm. it, have an air of mystery, bird. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: it's because all the hummingbirds are dying, there aren't that many, so you know. Uh, did, you guys, uh, great-
0: did you guys see that guy that did this long extended piece of performance art where he tried to uh insist that birds were not real? I did, yeah, like it's more like a kid, basically. It's a really young dude, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he he propagated this Gen Z conspiracy theory. Yes. That uh, all birds are actually, I think robotics... Birds aren't real was the ban. Yeah, There's birds aren't real. That we're, we're, uh, all these birds uh, are actually government surveillance devices. You mean uh, like absolutely.
2: Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift? Absolutely, sure. yes. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. The birds but, The birds of famous celebrities?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and, you know, he did a great TED Talk about it, which I thought was really entertaining. <laughs> uh, and... He's, he kind of, at the beginning of the TED Talk, he presented his case for why, you know, pigeons aren't real, right? Like, why, why are pigeons not real? And one of the things he said that really blew my mind was, you notice how you've never seen baby pigeons? <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. I, I was like, maybe this guy is so, <laughs> so stupid. This is so dumb. Well, Jeff, have you ever seen baby pigeons? Yeah, no, Because I don't climb trees and look at nests, dude. I've seen them all the time. They're everywhere. They are everywhere. All right, they fall out of trees all the time. You guys have more, you know. Guys have seen a lot more baby pigeons in your life than I have. I'll put it that way. Clearly, sorry, sorry that I haven't seen as many baby pigeons as you guys. You, you, you mean to tell me
2: an animal that can literally fly (laughs) vast distances anytime it wants to can hide its young away from my eyes? Well, that doesn't make any sense at all.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. All right. Well, anyway. That's a good piece of performance art, though. Yeah, I did it I did appreciate. It was, he Birds tried to Unreal. illustrate, yeah.
0: like how, like he tried to illustrate, kind of uh, what the conspiracy theory culture is and how people treat them. You know, like and mm-hmm. and gain insights from how people treat them. And I think it was actually worth. I personally think it was worthwhile. But um, anyway, it was interesting. It's just too bad. Like, uh, hey, it's even worse in reality. The things people actually believe, absolutely, far Absol- worse. Absolutely, yeah. So anyway none of that has anything to do with the movie I mentioned (laughs) every little thing which was streaming at Sundance this week and it was a delight, I would recommend you check it out okay that's going to bring us to the end of our what we've been watching segment let's get to weekly plugs Weekly Plugs is a part of the show where we plug something else we've been making. This week, I want to plug uh, my free newsletter, Decoding Everything, at decodingeverything.com. This last week, uh, I welcomed a new contributor to the site, William Bibiani, a film critic whose work I really enjoy. He wrote up a piece for decodingeverything.com. Five winners and four losers from the 96th Academy Awards nominations. He kind of ran down... Uh, all the big news from the Academy Award noms and uh, did a really good like narrative about what's going on with this year's nomination so I'd recommend you check it out at decodingeverything.com it's a free newsletter so you can subscribe for free check it out divin your hardware your weekly plug
1: oh sure uh over at the Engadget podcast we talked about
0: the Mac turning 40 can
1: you believe it guys 40 years old <sighs> uh, just a couple of weeks before I turned 40 the Macintosh is 40. And I talked with uh, Nathan Ingram from Engadget about this and, you know, our histories with Macs. I'm not a primarily Mac user, but I am very Mac fluent and I have my favorites and thoughts about design and stuff. So this is a fun episode. So if you enjoy Macs or just listening about, you know, computer
0: history, you should check it out. Jeff Canada, your weekly plug.
2: My video game podcast DLC, uh, had a, a fun episode this week. Uh, we had guest Patrick Beja, who's, uh, uh f- French, uh, uh, speaker, lives in Finland, gave us a really, I think, a wonderful um, international perspective on some of the news that has hit the video game industry, including uh, massive layoffs, uh, both uh, Activision Blizzard in the wake of the Microsoft acquisition and uh, Riot, uh, two companies you would assume would be impervious to these, this kind of uh, mass layoff, and here we are, not, not so. Um, So that topic and really some great games. Tekken 8, um, uh, this game called Enshrouded, which is really interesting. Really, really fun topics this week. DLC is available at dlcpod.com.
0: And of course, I want to throw a shout out to patreon.com slash film podcast where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. This week on the After Dark, we'll be covering a lot of other sentence movies. I watched 25 movies from Sundance this year. Nice. Of which I've only brought up like six or seven during the podcast. So plenty more to discuss. davindra what was your what was your ultimate number? Do you do you know how many you watched? I don't know, I have to count. It's a, uh, honestly, I will be talking
1: about everything I saw because I had to be far more selective and my time was limited. I wish I yeah. could just block out my whole weekend and not even deal with my kids, you know, yeah, and just yeah, watch totally. movies. But I cannot do that,
0: unfortunately. Yeah. Uh but yeah we'll be talking about that at patreon.com slash film podcast. Uh so thanks to everyone who supports the show. Of course we never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes you financial hardship, uh, if you want to support us for free, it is extremely easy to do that. Share about us on your social media. We post reels at instagram.com slash Pod, and uh, also on TikTok at tiktok.com slash thefilmcast. Share share, uh, one of our videos. Uh, It helps to spread the word about the podcast or leave a star rating or a review for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Thanks to everyone who makes the show possible. Let's get to our view of Society of the Snow.
3: ¿Sabemos dónde estamos? Mirame los ojos! ¡Mirame los ojos! ¡Mirame! ¡Mirame! La
0: Welcome to the film cast review of Society of the Snow. I'm going to read the plot summary of this movie from the internet. Quote, in 1972, a Uruguayan flight crashes in the remote heart of the Andes, forcing survivors to become each other's best hope, end quote. This movie is directed by J.A. Bayona. It was recently nominated for an Academy Award I had heard mixed things about this movie leading up to its release, but then once it came out on Netflix it's one of their top films and uh, a lot of the reviews have been really positive. So mm-hmm. I was really eager to visit this to check out this movie with you all. Devindra, I know you are probably one of the original J A Bayona heads on the podcast. In the tank for Bayona. Yeah. In the after tank of the for orphanage. Bayona. I mean, yeah. Devindra Harder will, will defend Fallen Kingdom, you know, so you Good movie. You, that's where he's coming at. This from, but I'm much more interested in uh, Jeff Kanata's opinion on this movie because Jeff Kanata, not typically a a huge fan of J. A. Bayona's work. So, Jeff Kanata, why don't we start with you this week? And let me ask you, what were your thoughts on Society of the Snow? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my
2: thoughts on Society of the Snow are best summed up in the form of a limerick. All right, let's hear it. When you watch the plane take a nosedive and feel what it takes to survive, it's a harrowing trip through human hardship and the filmmaking buries
0: alive. <laughs> nice. Uh, you're, of course, referring to the other movie about this incident. 1993's 19- Alive. 1993's yeah. Alive. I remember the Uruguayan. <laughs> These Uruguayan. <laughs> Yeah,
2: because uh, <laughs> when you think you're a Gwen, you think Ethan Hawke.
0: You think Ethan. The first thing that comes to mind is yeah. Ethan Hawke. I'm glad you said it too, Jeff. Uh, um, I am
2: old enough to have been working at a movie theater when that when Alive came out, and I remember it vividly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that movie. I, I don't think I've seen it since, but there are scenes that you will remember seeing <laughs> that movie. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And similarly, <laughs> there are scenes in Society of Snow that you shall never forget if you are uh, brave enough to watch this movie. I will admit I was unable to watch this movie in one sitting. Mm. I found it a uh, very upsetting and very uh, disturbing and very dark. Uh, it is uh, ultimately a, uh, a story of the triumph of the human spirit, I guess, but really this is a, an endurance test both for, the people that made it, uh, the subjects of this movie, uh, in, in the the true story of it, and I think the audience. Um, I think the the reason to watch this movie, I guess, is twofold. Uh, to truly understand what these humans went through uh, in 1972 in the, in the real Andes, you get a sense of the just extraordinary anguish that they must have had to go through this movie conveys that in a way that uh alive did not i mean we we definitely see the 30 years of filmmaking progress we've made in how we are able to express this uh to realize uh the the actual hardship that these these people went through um and i think There is, I admire that in a way, and I I suppose there is a value to it. Um, But truly, and truly, I think the reason one would watch this, what I got out of it most of all, is admiring the filmmaking. It is an extraordinarily made movie. Uh, The seriousness and um, commitment to authenticity that everyone involved went through the the actors dozens of them <laughs> um did not eat for many weeks this this movie was shot in sequence which is a rarity in filmmaking and the actors went on these extreme diets uh under the supervision of nutritionists but went under these extreme diets to transform their bodies i mean this is basically the machinist times 12 Um, In order to have all of the actors go through this physical transformation to show how, uh, you know, the circumstances of not having any food available to them changed them. Uh, And they shot it on location in some sequences in the Andes. Um, They shot it in uh, high altitudes in the snow. And they were able to present sequences that are truly disturbing, truly harrowing truly I found to be difficult to watch because primarily I knew this really happened. And there seems to be a commitment to conveying the truth of of what these people went through and how they survived it. That said, above and beyond that, I found the movie lacking. In that I have no idea who any of these people are. Mm -hmm. And the movie doesn't care to tell me. It's not about that. It's, I hate to use a reductive term like, you know, uh, uh, suffering porn or something along those lines. But it really is just putting you in the shoes of these avatars And yes, uh, authentically, uh, I think much more than Alive, and and bravo for this, uh, authentically uh, in the language those people spoke, uh, you know, looking much more like they looked with their actual histories, using their real names. Uh, Alive didn't even use the survivors' real names. I don't believe they had the rights to do so. This movie very much about honoring the names of the individuals that lost their lives. Right. Like
0: anytime someone passes away in the film, they show the person's name and how old they were when they passed. Yes.
2: So in a lot of ways, this is about honoring the truth of this story. And I think showing the hardships, showing the anguish, showing the, the suffering that, that, that we went through, but that's all it is. And that's okay. But at two hours and 30 minutes, I think, 20 plus minutes, um, there really is no sense. I mean, even to the point where I know the actors by sight, I have a, a relationship with them, but I have no idea really any differences between them, any distinctive characteristics between these individual characters in the movie. This one says these things and that one says that thing and this one... Lives and that one dies, and but but I don't know anything about them as human beings, and the movie just is uninterested in conveying that to me at all. It is really concentrated on the moment in time, the 72 days they spent uh suffering, and it boy howdy does it illustrate that, and I think beautifully so. And I think uh, you know, puts to rest any ever need to go back and revisit alive. This is the definitive telling of that endurance tests that survival story but uh, beyond that i i kind of wish it had more i hate i'm not gonna say meat on the bone i won't say that well, not much I, left after i will this movie. say i wish it had more uh substance substance y- yeah, yeah, yeah that's a that's, right. that's
0: a good word fair uh divin your hardware your thoughts on this movie
1: uh yeah, I, I feel like uh you should never see The Impossible, Jeff, which is J. A. Bone's uh, movie about the uh what was a Thailand uh yeah. tsunami, the one with uh Nemi Watts, uh a- another harrowing story. I think he's very good at conveying these sort of sequences. I love this movie. I think this movie is fantastic, and it really. I think it really portrays what I love about his movies because he is a very poetic filmmaker because you're right, Jeff, we could get more details about these characters or like more sense of their personalities and stuff. I do think we do get some of that. We know like, okay, these two are the doctors and they're the ones that are going to have to do some of the worst work. We know who the captain is and what his persona is and what convinces him to do some things towards the end. But beyond that, like everybody else is just like different, you know, different groups and we don't really get a sense. Um, This would make a really good, I hate to say it, but a really good like limited TV series or something. But I also look at this movie and I'm like, how the hell did you make this? Like, yes. how I know a lot of those, a lot of the backdrops from some of the Andes mountains are from like second unit footage that they like digitally put in there, but there's a lot is just shot there too. There's they a went great do, documentary yeah,
2: yeah. on Netflix uh, yeah. that is very worth watching. Uh, I would say do not watch it before you watch the movie if you're yes. interested in the movie because yeah. it spoils literally everything. But it's a phenomenal. Look at to at how far filmmaking has come mm-hmm. in thirty years, and what they're actually able to do, and how they did it, and it's extraordinary.
0: You yeah. you know how good the movie is if you immediately watch the making of right afterwards, which yeah. I did. How? Uh, how? afterwards so, I thought, so did I? Uh, a, yeah. a lot of uh, the backgrounds were, or a lot of the places they filmed were in the Sierra Nevada mountains. So mm-hmm. like they but actually still
2: at altitude.
0: They, they mm-hmm. went in the up cold. In, into the yeah. mountains and actually filmed a bunch of it, and that's how it looks as incredible as it does, because yeah. it really looks like they actually went out and filmed it in and this, they look cold. Movies. Places. That's real yeah, the thing that's extraordinary yeah.
2: is that they used um many, many first time actors, first time mm-hmm. film no. actors. A lot of them only had experience in the theater or had you know were, were amateurs. And um I, the acting is incredible. And I think mm-hmm. that speaks to the directing. Of yeah. these young mm-hmm. actors and getting the performances out of them that you never for one second doubt that they are experiencing these hardships,
0: yeah. absolutely yeah. absolutely and
1: anyway, th- continue I think Bayona like is more a visual poet than than like a documentarian or somebody who's trying to like get into all the nitty gritties of it, and I think what we do get here is a harrowing story that I think does really show the power of the human condition, and I do think or of the human spirit, right? The power of like to survive what it takes to survive. I was kind of fascinated how it even dealt with the whole thing. You hear about the story and you just think, oh, the the cannibal story, right? The story where they had to eat each other and how that was conveyed was just so like, first of all, very pragmatic, but also just like, yes, they have that discussion. You know, they didn't agree. People did not agree to this. This feels wrong. I'm not going to do it. But you get down to it. And then I think watching how real. How like visceral this movie feels? You're like, well, if I'm there for ten days with no sign of hope, like it's me. I need I need to survive. Like I don't know. I don't know if you guys even had that thought while you were watching, but I was like, yeah, no, I get it. I I would totally do it too. I wouldn't. I. It's not something I'd be excited to do. But if you're trying to survive, if uh, you're especially if like your survival can help get your friends out or something too, I think that whole thing was dealt with really really well. Um. Their whole situation where they're like, okay, we're going to try this thing, the various scenarios that they try to fix things, like fixing the radio to doing the hike up the mountain the first time. I was just like really in this story. So, like, you know, if I was watching this in a theater and I kind of wish I had the chance to, I feel like people would have would have like erupted once like things get going in the third act i don't know if we'll do spoilers on this but you know yeah let's there's do a point spoilers. let's we'll we'll do spoilers yeah. let's do there's save a point it, save it for the spoilers where you will definitely erupt and clap and i did it by myself in my basement so i think it is a very affecting movie um i think it's really powerful and it's something bayona does really well like he does really get you in a story um the impossible is is such a like compelling thing to watch because of that but also that's even more like miserable of an experience at times to watch too. So I don't know. I love this movie. I'm glad like it has that sense of verisimilitude. I feel really bad that a lot of people had to suffer through these terrible conditions to even make this movie, but I think the art was worth it. So yeah, loved it.
0: Uh, Jeff, I agree with about ninety percent of what you said about this movie, uh, which is to say, I think the filmmaking is incredible. Uh, I am disappointed by how little we know about the people in the movie, um, and uh, I, I agree with you. There's no need to revisit this topic after this movie. We're like, uh, there's no reason to go back to the original live. Like, you know, a, a lot of what you said uh, really resonates with me. One thing I disagree with, um, and that is. You said that the movie is all about, you know, surviving with these people. I think that this movie really is, does try to take this position of, um, we, we are all we have, Mm -hmm. you know, like we need to depend on each other as humans in various ways, sometimes ways we can't even anticipate. And um that this this movie is a reminder of that idea. It is not just, hey, we're surviving this terrible thing. It is it, it is very clearly at various points, sometimes very explicitly, some yes. occasionally yes. clunkily. I believe saying, in the God in this yeah, person. Saying yeah. yeah, saying like we yeah. are all we have, like like th- there is something beautiful about humans mm-hmm. and our ability to not only survive but help each other survive. Yeah. It's like they're and, shouting, We live in a society. Yeah, yeah of true. Right. we snow. live in the society, so and and uh and that's what I found to be very powerful about the movie is like, and it does it it in a fairly elegant way overall, you know? So it's, it's a little bit like someone just literally at one point, someone just literally says the themes of the movie. Yeah. But, um, but I was convinced because, uh, the way that this movie, you know, illustrates how they surmounted these challenges, I think really goes to illustrating that theme. I also think, um, you know, I'm sure the movie took lots of dramatic license and Mm -hmm. that's, that's fine with me. But I actually went and like looked up the stuff, and a lot of the stuff actually happened. You know, like a lot of the, yeah. the storms and other stuff that actually happened. I was like, "Wow!" Like they well, actually stuck relatively closely to what actually occurred.
2: It's based on a a, a book called yeah. "Society of the Snow" that is was evidently laboriously researched and mm-hmm. used uh, lots of interviews with the survivors. So I, I can understand, what, and it seems to me, you know, just watching this movie, the priority was telling it exactly as it Mm -hmm. happened to uh, so much as, you know, to the extent that they could. And I think that shows, right. It it, it comes through.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I think this movie is a masterpiece. Uh, Mm -hmm. It is one of the most harrowing experiences I've ever had watching a movie. Um, But it's also really powerful. It's just an incredible thing to contemplate. There's a reason why this story has endured for decades it's because the idea that you could crash into the middle of this place that's completely inhospitable to life. Honestly, the last time that a place was, a location was framed this effectively as being inhospitable to life was gravity when <laughs> they were in space. And it's like life in space is impossible. And it's basically life in this place is also impossible. Uh, yeah. Some I, of the
2: shots, man, with, yeah, with these yeah. wide shots of yeah. just nothingness. Yeah. It's a camera going
0: over as they reach a peak and just like look over and man yeah. Anyway, uh, let's talk about a few spoilers for this movie, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, So spoilers for the Society of the Snow or Society of the Snow starting right now.
2: I thought up an ending for my book. It makes no damn sense.
3: compels me, though. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. You
2: can't handle
3: the truth! Inconceivable! I came here to tell you how it's going to begin.
0: I'll just describe a few things about my experience watching this movie. First of all, I had been told that the plane crash would be really upsetting uh and somehow even Mm -hmm. being prepared for that it was more upsetting than (laughs) i was ready for uh it's probably one of the most it it feels like that's actually how it would happen you know i've never been in a plane crash but it feels like oh if you were in a plane crash that's how it would unfold the chaos the people being impaled by random just the randomness of like some people live some people die there's no Sort of order behind it. There's no re- rationale, you know. I mean, we. I, I've brought up this topic
1: before, and I feel like you guys don't understand how wild it is that movies can do this. But Castaway, right? The Lost Pilot, like mm. the yeah. movies, do such a great job of conveying this crazy notion. Because whenever I'm in a plane, I'm like, How is this working? How is any of this possible? Right? Mm-hmm. This could in an instant. This yeah. could all fall apart. And I think movies have done a great job of showing some of that. This is one of the most accurate, it seems.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, you know, yeah. I recall... Have you guys seen Alive? live? Yes.
0: I
3: have,
2: yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I saw I was when it when it came out a long time. Yeah, 93, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I recall vividly the crash sequence in that movie and, you know, what stands out is the fuselage coming off in the back mm-hmm. and the people in the front still surviving as the fuselage, you know, separated in half. And uh, that happens again here, and it's clearly what actually happened. And I think, honestly, it is the reason that happens in the movie Lost, or in the TV show Lost, and why you have the whole, like, mm-hmm. there's a back half of the plane plot, is because yep. it happened in real life in this situation. Uh, and it is uh, quite quite disturbing to see. But I, another thing that I you know, highly, 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 highly recommend if you watch this film to watch the documentary on netflix afterwards because you see that their commitment to doing practical effects uh, mm-hmm. throughout and it man it matters it matters absolutely you, it, you feel the weight the impact the reality of of all of it and including this the crash like you said you know these close-ups of snapping bones and yeah. stuff like that it's just it's just
0: uh, v- pretty much every single thing that happens in this movie is convincing mm-hmm. right yeah i just watched this, this show um i didn't even talk about this in what we've been watching but i watched uh masters of the air on apple tv plus mm-hmm. and at no point do i believe that those people are in the air doing you know anything bombings <laughs> for world war ii like there's not there's yeah. It it looks like, honestly, it looks like it's uh, from a video game. It Like, the CG, mm-hmm. and I don't blame the talented artists. I'm sure, like, they didn't have enough time to do what they wanted to do or whatever. But, like, it does not look convincing at all. At no point during Society of the Snow was I not convinced. Or rather, you know, right. at every point I was convinced that mm-hmm. what we were seeing was something that these characters were going through. And that's, like, extremely high order of difficulty to achieve in a movie like this. Yes. Um, so... There was that. There was the the, pl- the plane crash. By forty minutes into this two hour long, two and a half hour long movie, they're already getting to the part where they eat people. And by the way, technically, yeah. uh, I think the term is uh, an- anthrop- uh, anthropophagy, anthropophagy, which sure. is the eating of human flesh. Cannibalism implies you're killing people and eating them. Um, okay. But anyway, uh, okay. forty five minutes in, they're eating people, and I'm like, there's still a whole movie left. The whole movie, uh, the whole yeah. movie runtime left of stuff to happen, and I was—I yeah. didn't know what it would be. And I mean, they—they they get rescued. I looked at the clocks. There's half an hour left in this movie. What is <laughs> that? well, that's
2: one <laughs> yeah. of the big differences right. Right. between yeah. it and Alive? Right, is Alive ends with we crest the mountain and we see green, and yeah. then helicopters arrive. Right, and I love that this movie is like, no, what actually happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is yeah, they had to climb down that mountain, and a dude had to see them. Right, and dude had to like, throw a rock threw, to th- them. Th- this for is a, a real note. thing that happens. He threw yeah, a like, loaf of it... bread, actually. Oh in life. man! Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's uh it's wild. And then he rode for like four hours to go get help. <laughs> wild, which is
0: wild. Yeah, uh, which Perhaps they don't show. That in the dude, movie, best but, yeah. dude in a movie in a long <laughs> yeah. time. You
2: see that dude? you're
1: Like
0: that dude is salvation. <laughs> <laughs> Love that dude. Great. Yeah, but. Yeah, so then what happens in the rest of the movie is you see all the ordeals they have to go through. Mm -hmm. And there is this huge uh, snowstorm, and it's it's so brilliantly done. Everyone's, like, finally bonding as a community. They're hanging out. Mm -hmm. Everything's going great. And then this avalanche Avalanche. engulfs the thing. The entire thing is shot ultra-wide-angle close-up. So you're, like, in people's faces as they're, like, digging each other out. It's an incredible sequence and And you just realize how again, as with the crash, like how tenuous the life the line is between life and death, where oh, they found they were able to dig this person out ten seconds earlier than the last person that person lived, and the other person died. Mm-hmm. Like I feel
2: like the most brazen screenwriter would never dare to come up with you've already put your characters mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. an impossible situation,
0: right, yeah to then
2: avalanche them out of their... I know, the, it's... Like, the yeah. idea that it, yeah. the, the wildest mind of fiction, the most, the you know, <laughs> the most masochistic yeah. fiction writer would, wouldn't do that to their characters, mm-hmm. and yet it happened in real life. Like yeah. that, yeah. And, and they still survived. Yes. It's just... <laughs> It's just mind-boggling I, that I,
0: I agree with you. Like if you're a screenwriter, they would say, like, okay, I think we've put the characters <laughs> through um, Tone um, enough already. It down, pal. The, but only because it's like a true story could you yeah. do this and, and really get away with yeah. it. Only I
1: think. God could get away with this. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Guess. Or nature. Um, I do like that they're always questioning, like, what why? Why yeah. are we like, what is the meaning of this? And I do think, like, even though it's a little patent, it's a little obvious, like what they get to. Man, we kind of need that right now. That yeah, sort of idea what... like we we are all we have right yeah. now and it's yeah. really up to us to do something about so many things that's going wrong and killing us all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh but there's just so many memorable sequences in the movie mm-hmm. when they first climb the mountain and they stay up there overnight. Like it's, it's it, the, the... Like, just that alone would be, it, yeah. like, it, yeah. put aside the plane crash and the storm. It's just like, imagine just climbing a mountain and Dude, just staying there overnight. Just finding the, the tarp. Yeah, finding the Dude, tarp
1: was like... Th- yeah. Them yeah.
0: laying on snow during the day. I'm,
2: I'm, already, la- I'm already out.
0: Like, <laughs>
2: that's snow. You're just you you lounging
0: on snow? Though. Yeah. <laughs> but they get to the, and there's this incredible sequence where they wake up the next day, and you see them, like emerge from the snow like a chrysalis. Uh, We're alive!
1: Hey! Yeah, amazing,
0: right? One of the worst parts to me
2: was the first time they they climb up the mountain and they turn around and they go, oh, you can't see it. You can't see Uh anything, yeah. Uh You can't see it just from this far away. Right. (laughs) We're never going to get saved. Yeah, yeah. That part just is utterly heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, the, the number of times their hope is crushed, you know, oh it's just like I, that one time when the plane flies by and they're like okay all we gotta do is sit here and wait
3: <laughs> yeah, and it's gonna be I awesome
2: know. and then they realize and then the hearing it on the radio and they're like we've given up searching and it's like oh my I god thought the,
0: i thought Hell the radio, radio was like i thought the radio was like oh that's like a fake thing they made uh-huh. up for the movie but apparently they actually had a radio yeah. like that, that was actually a real touch um but uh but then we get to like the ending right and I just, the whole final 45 minutes was incredible because these guys, they decide, hey, we, we're going to die here if we don't mm-hmm. try to do this. And so, as you said, they climb to the top of this mountain and then there's this incredible shot where it pulls back and you just, the shot just goes on forever. It just, yeah. you see how high up they are, how tall they are, how far these mountains go for. And then there's like a couple shots of them just sitting there. Like looking at yeah. it and I was just like, do do that's an, that's an amazing show. Cause if that yeah. was me, I would just sit there and just kind of yeah. contemplate how <laughs> screwed I am in this situation. Right. Um, uh, it, it's amazing. And and then the conversation they have where they say like the mountains can't go on forever. Like they, ha- they have to end at some point. And logically, it's, yes. It's like, we're, I'm either going to, I'm either going to, um, make it to salvation or I'm going to die. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, but they make that decision and that's a very like powerful, moment that was a very powerful moment um in a in a movie filled with them and then as you said they get to the bottom and then one of the coolest parts is when they see like a lizard
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and
0: it's like that's the first life yeah they have seen in yeah. months, you got like you know? they're like
2: I'm gonna eat that lizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So the,
2: the entire, other thing that, yeah, Go ahead, stylistically John. that I think we should bring up, uh, which is very divergent from how uh, Alive did it, and and how I think anybody might a uh, first think to do it is that the the sort of uh, narrator that we get in this story, yeah, does not survive. it well, it, yeah. we, we, it is revealed the narrator uh, is is talking to us from you know beyond life and uh, i just thought that was um a really interesting way to sort of keep the audience on their toes too and and you you know even going in going i know that the story is how these people got rescued none of our characters are safe because even our narrator Mm -hmm. dies you know and it it turns out to be the last person who dies but i just thought that was kind of a beautiful and interesting uh approach
0: yeah, mm-hmm. and also telling the story from that perspective is interesting too because uh, again, it reinforces this idea of um like there's really no real reason why like some people survived and some died, right? Yeah. It's, it was all just like very random. Um and uh, uh and only through coming together can they try even have a chance of of uh fighting their way out of this situation. But yeah. it's really remarkable the the whole final 30 minutes i was a complete mess you know i was crying because uh i'm just gonna put this out there guys okay for us here on the podcast mm-hmm. we've all gone through stuff okay in, in recent years True. we've all had trying times. it really puts it, was, it all in perspective yeah. really <laughs> all had trying times and yeah and yeah a it really puts it all in perspective but b these people got out of that situation like mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. they eventually got to the other side of that situation yeah. and and yeah. in the most chat literally the most challenging conditions you could possibly imagine mm-hmm. on planet earth and there's something about their joy in like reuniting with all their loved ones at the end and like and 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 just making it out of this horrible situation that like honestly it gave me hope it gave me like these people could survive that thing yeah. like Who are we to say we cannot survive anything that we are going through right now? It is very much one of those
1: things like parents making their kids watch this movie. Listen, they didn't complain. You think it's
0: bad? (laughs) You think
2: it's bad? You don't want to finish your broccoli?
3: (laughs) I also also had the
2: thought, you know, uh, if you've watched the documentary, they they interview some of the survivors who are still alive. Um, One of whom uh, became a pediatric doctor. Yeah. And I often wonder if, like, <laughs> do you know what uh, Doctor So and So uh, did? Uh, you know mm-hmm. when he was young, your your doctor. He's like, take a deep breath. <sighs> you know, I ate people. <laughs> it is
1: uh, it is fascinating that the the entire end sequence never even really touched right. on it. Right? They talk about like people having all these questions, but I imagine there is a whole level of press being like, how do they survive? Wait a minute. Yeah, these people came back and ate people. Like, oh, we found a pile of bones over there.
0: Yeah, what's uh, going Jeff, on with that? Yeah, Jeff, you are you know not to not to date you, but you're one of the older <laughs> people on the podcast on the planet. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was not. Um, like, do you remember? I was any also of this? not alive in 1972. Yeah, Dave. that's, that's Yeah, yeah. But that's I'm wild. saying, like, do you remember the? Uh, I guess, like, I'm no. cur- I'm so curious what the conversation was. I'm sure the conversation. Many was people. have yeah. landscape and yeah. Can you imagine happen- it happening now? It would have yeah. been...
2: I mean, the, all these people would have been on reality shows for the rest of their lives, right. too. Right. But um, uh, the first time i had ever heard of this was in 1993 when the movie mm-hmm. came out. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I was not aware of it growing I mean, it's not something that
0: came up in com- conversation as a kid in the early yeah. 80s. So, but, um, but, but my sense is there's been a shift, right, from... Wow, what these people did was horrible. To well, oh, well, I guess you needed to do that to survive. You know? I, yeah.
2: I'm sure you and our listeners have all heard the the common joke that has entered into our culture of well, who are we going to eat first? You know that that like that's that's kind of mm-hmm. become a you know a trope of oh my gosh, you know Black Friday. We're all stuck here. You know who's who are we going to eat for? that came from that Mm -hmm. it came from that Mm -hmm. you know like we're stuck in the thing you you do the joke of like oh well uh you know i'm gonna eat whatever eating people to survive became a sort of cultural reality because these dudes did it and uh you know they uh, proved it could be done so it's ingrained in our sort of psyche global I mean, psyche. yellow jackets
1: is a is a show entirely kind of based on this premise too right so yeah mm-hmm. i mean i
2: guess the donner yeah. party did it before this but you yes. know
1: i kind whatever. of to rewatch ravenous now like that was a good movie back in the day yeah
2: all
0: right well anyway. i don't
1: think
2: the donner party turned out well though if i recall
0: it was a, could have been better <laughs> i think that's that. right i think you're right about that mm-hmm. um but yeah i would have loved to see kind of what the the conversation was because. Um, by the in terms of alive and also this movie, like when you get to the end, it's it's all presented as like this triumph of they made it and yeah. and like all the like negativity around eating people is like is gone away. But I you know well, none of us were alive at the time, and so none I think of us that's a
2: le- legitimate potential criticism of the movie is that mm-hmm. it really does hand wave away. You know, and and I, I I'm I'm not criticizing the movie for that because I think it has other things it's more interested in doing, but. There is certainly a way of looking at this story that takes that. I mean, the movie as uncomfortable as it was for me to watch this movie. And like I said, I had to stop and watch it in two sittings just because of how harrowing and 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 upsetting it was. But it it really does let the viewer off the hook with that stuff. Mm. It does not make you think about it too much. It, it, it becomes commonplace and normal in the context of the movie very fast and never does it linger visually. We don't have yeah. a shot of a corpse. You know, there's one shot of a rib cage. We, we get the bones.
1: Very, yeah. It's yeah, very yeah.
2: tame with yeah. remember that it doesn't make the viewer really reckon with that mm-hmm. on a, on a certain level. Um, and, I think
0: that's true of alive as well, right? Like, if yes. I correctly,
2: yeah alive is even worse. It looks like chicken. I mean, it's literally like they <laughs> yeah. just like a piece of chicken and they eat it. Um, at least here, it, it looks kind of disturbing and yeah, whatever. But mm-hmm. even more than that, there's no uh, reckoning with the notion of you know uh, the the families of the people who were eaten, right? right? Mm-hmm. And how they right. felt about that, and what yeah. you know that, because these are complicated emotions, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I can understand that there would have been a lot of tumult around that, you know? Uh, potentially so, but the movie just doesn't have that in its purview at all.
0: Yeah. I will say what I appreciated was, uh, that they framed it as something that became normalized over time. Like Mm -hmm. initially when, you know, some people are like, I object, I shall not eat anyone, you know? And then by the end, people are like, they don't even care anymore. I mean, not even
2: by the end, by midway, I mean, 72 days is just impossible for that not to be. And that, yeah. And even the movie explicitly says like at a certain point, we don't even think about it anymore. It's just what we
0: eat and i think uh i think there's something about how like the drive to survive is so powerful there yeah. that like it it can normalize anything you know uh i thought that was an interesting touch so yeah. anyway a lot to uh talk about a lot to dive into uh but it's a movie that i think is yeah really there's impressive that, you that
2: scene you know after they get saved where they're eating at that eating in their little cabin
0: and i just yeah. felt
2: like a No food has ever looked more delicious in a movie. Ever,
0: seriously, and and even to the viewer, even to the viewer, right? Like you're. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: And and uh, and B, I couldn't help thinking, like, you know, your friends are still there, and you're just. I mean, I certainly (laughs) gotta get energy to go back. (laughs) I would be eating eating (laughs) too. Just like, oh man, it's gotta be rough to just know Mm -hmm. uh, your friends are still in it. You know. They would want you to feast.
1: At the, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. at
0: that point, they had been hiking by themselves for ten days, right? Yes, so yeah. It just, it, what I feel like the movie underplays that accomplishment. Like, mm-hmm. oh, totally, it, it, totally, a ten-day hike into nothing, right? With, <laughs> yeah, with almost no supplies. Well, the idea yeah.
2: that we go from oh, should we eat humans to like. I don't know if we have enough human to make it this whole way. (laughs) You know, we're going to need more human (laughs) to eat. It's just so
0: disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. I did think it was a nice touch when he like buried his friend's flesh at the end though. It was kind Mm -hmm. of like this, like it's an acknowledgement that like, Hey, like people gave of their bodies to Mm -hmm. so that other people could survive. And, and um, I appreciated that. So anyway, brilliant film. Yeah, I'm glad film. Bayona did not get stuck making another Jurassic world movie. You know, like we, we,
1: he made that, that was pretty successful actually. And now you get to make this. So I'm this happy
0: is that. his best film by far in my, it, it is mm-hmm. so daring. It is so technically accomplished. Um, yeah,
2: it's hard to overstate how yeah. incredible the filmmaking is. Yeah, it, it, it truly is series. stunning, yeah. beautiful. Um, I mean, the, the acting, the, the, Performances he gets out of these yeah. people with cameras like right in their yeah. faces. So where are their faces fill the frame and we're right there feeling everything they feel. Um it's a it's really a triumph in that regard for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. I watch
1: all his movies, people. Like I, I talk to people like, you haven't seen The Orphanage?
2: I guess it hasn't Love had like that
1: lasting value for people, like at least on the horror side. Orphanage, very good. The mission, very Incredible. good. Um, I have not seen when a monster calls. Should check that out. Yeah,
2: I think well, the orphanage is one of the greatest uh, horror movies ever it's made. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, at the end of the day, it is really impressive that J. A. Bayona made a movie, and this movie in particular is pretty amazing. All right, that's going to bring us the end of this week's episode of The Filmcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Our spoiler bumper and weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. And uh, patreon.com slash podcast. how so you can support this show and help to keep it going. Sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. Next week on the, uh, or this week on The After Dark, we got... Um,
3: Sundays. More Sundance
0: talk should be a lot of fun next week on the podcast. Going to be Argyle, Matthew Vaughn Argyle. is back. Matthew Vaughn is back, baby. Oh man, should be How many a, a lot of people get eaten in that movie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Goodbye.